passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Your title is mine. Your house is now my house. Well, it sounds like it's going to be the last match I ever have. So, why don't you tell us what the stipulation is? The stipulation at Money in the Bank will be a pillow fight. A pillow fight? Wait, 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 what did you just say? Did you just say pillow fight? You know, this is all starting to make sense now. I always knew you were the king of soft style. <laughs> As if they don't have too much on their plates. The Kings of Combat Sports Podcast, John and Wade. They talk about the things they did that day. They'll analyze the work of Vince and Triple H. You want to smack down. Everybody, John Pollock and Wei Ting with you. It's a special edition of Rewind to Smackdown. What's so special? We're here together doing the show. Oh, yes, because usually we do this via the internet. I wonder if anyone can even tell. Uh, I don't know. I think there's a there's some type of quality difference. Yeah. Is this? Am I pushing my limits here with you? Is no. This, it's like two nights in a row with you. <laughs> You can show up. At, you might as well just sleep here. I've I've made that joke, but in the past. But. Yeah, you never know. You could convert this into yeah. like a a bed and breakfast. You could have you know wrestling fans could oh, stay here in the post office. A bed and podcast. Oh wow, yeah. that's way better. You get to stay here, sleep, and record a podcast. You joke. If we offered that, people would definitely take us up wow. on that. Yeah, I guess a so. meal from waiting. Um, your mom could provide some musical. I didn't say entertainment. Any. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So. My dad's been, um, yeah, and you can uh, have teach my dad how to use his phone instead of me doing it. So, yeah, my dad's been using uh, his iPhone. He was telling me the other day when I came over about his new phone. Yeah, my dad's in his 70s and just discovering the magic of the internet via smartphones. Oh, wow. Is you he ha- texting? Well, no, not quite yet. Oh. Uh, that's a bit advanced. Will you alert us if he emojis? or do- Maybe I'll get him to text you. Sure. I would love it. But uh, over the weekend, he he took a trip and uh, where'd he go? He went to uh, Ottawa. Okay. To the Tulip Festival. The Tulip Festival. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I did not partake. But, With your uh, mom or solo? He did a solo trip. Wow. He just none of us wanted to go. He just he. That's something he I could see you doing, going on a trip just by yourself to something like that. Uh, not not a not a Tulip Festival, but not a Tulip Festival. But if it was like, I could see you going I'd, to I'd something it, of your yeah, own interest that I'd, you'd go by yourself. I've taken vacations by myself. Yeah. yeah. That's... Anyway, so the the point, uh, my point of the story is, uh, so he's been using his iPhone to 
take photos. Wow. And so he went home uh, and then looked at the photos. Oh, no. <laughs> and he's like, why are, why are all these pictures of me? <laughs> <laughs> he forgot. <laughs> he was in selfie mode. And he couldn't see it because of the sun. The sun's reflection Dude, on the you, phone. You've never made me laugh that hard. <laughs> so, uh, lesson, oh, lesson number one. Dude. I laugh, but it's so, like I could totally see myself. Like, Damn, that's one, I wish, that. that's one I wish I had on video. Dude. Oh, man. Uh, but um, <laughs> lesson number one, uh, how to exit out of selfie mode. Oh, God. Kevin Owens was having that trouble in his. Uh, oh. Did you watch that video? Oh, was he having that trouble? Well, yeah. he it was he had to get it back onto himself. He had I sent right. Turn, yes. He had turned the the thing around. Yes. Well, so I guess it's not such a common. Uh, it's a pretty common issue then. I that think. video, by the way, if you watch it on the WWE's YouTube, it's just they gave a phone to Kevin Owens for the social media team. Mm-hmm. So it's Kevin Owens at a house show. At, at a house, house show. show. Yeah. So it's Kevin Owens being awesome for five minutes because God forbid uh, we just let a guy go out there who's naturally funny and he's funny. Yeah. But I watched this thing, and Sami Zayn is like really amping up his entrance and doing the dancing. When you watch this at one and a half times the speed. Him in the corner doing his dancing, it's even better. Wow. What what prompted you to, to watch this at one and a half? I've told you what I've been doing with podcasting. Yeah. I now do it with like most mm. if if a streaming uh if YouTube or Daily Motion, if it's a video, I'm probably watching it at minimum one and a quarter speed, sometimes one and a half. You know, this will be the future. I mean, it, it, we're certainly not far off from that ability being uh implemented in professional wrestling uh viewing, you know. Like, if the network had a one and a half times, do you think they would do something like that? Would that affect their metric of hours watched? Yeah, it would. you would think it would, would it, have to, right? Would it improve it? Like, would it help them? Or, or do they... Oh, because you could say, hey, why why sit through a three-hour pay-per-view? You could get through it in two hours instead of three, and then maybe you have an appetite to watch a second one. Right, but I mean, if they're trying to create more content right now in order yep. to brag about more people watching more hours. Hours consumed is a big metric. So even if I watch it at two times, does that still add to their accumulated number of hours or do they count real-time hours? That's a good question. I don't know I the mean, answer. The reason that, I mean... Because well, the body of the show you're watching from start to finish mm-hmm. is, you know, three hours and change, but, but you can watch that, it in less. The fact that this is, you know, a feature that, that's, that YouTube has been using for such a long time now should suggest that, like, it's something that they, YouTube is proud of having. I think inevitably all streaming yeah. uh, you know, sites have to have that. Yeah, like I'm sure YouTube has to brag about hours watched too, so it's, it's not like it's something they mind. A feature like this, I think, is something that a lot of wrestling fans would really be happy about, especially you know with, with this news of a, of a five-hour potential. Watch it five times the speed. Yeah, a monthly fi- five-hour broadcast that we're going to have to watch. It was really sinking into me when I was looking at the the length of these pay-per-views that are coming up. Mm-hmm. That, of course, the, the big four are going to be even longer, it looks like. So, so again, uh, as as uh, we discussed it yesterday, um, four hours from now on, that's the report. Four hours from four now on. Four hours. It's unknown what, what happens to the kickoff show. I'm assuming it just means there's another hour on top of that I'd... that's the kickoff. So you have five total hours, yeah. six for SummerSlam. Yes, yes. Wow. That's yeah. a lot. Yeah, it's a lot, and I'm willing to bet a lot more people are going to just pick and choose what matches they're going to watch, and uh, maybe rely on podcasts like the like these to determine what else. I'm so. I'm envisioning way, 
Royal Rumble weekend 2020. <laughs> when I'm here late on a Friday night after SmackDown, and then I'm leaving and said, hey, I'll see you at four in the afternoon on Sunday for 18 hours of the Royal Rumble. And you're uh-huh. just going to say, no, no yeah. more. Yeah. I mean, well, it's not just us. I, I think it's, you know, like it, it, think about people that are on the West Coast that have to basically start their day uh, if they're if they want to watch a pay per view an hour earlier. Oh lord! I mean, that's what like if a show starts at seven Eastern, that's four. Well, PM. SummerSlam, like like let's use the extreme example of SummerSlam. The kickoff would be at five Eastern, which is two PM Pacific time. Mm-hmm. But I also on the West Coast side, sometimes I, me personally, I don't know if I'd rather trade that in and then it, you're done earlier. True. Like for UFC shows on the East Coast. I'm up till 1, 1.30 in the morning most Saturdays. Mm-hmm. And then I write something on the site. That takes me another 45 minutes to an hour. And then it's like it's 2, 2.30 in the morning as opposed to I could be done this at 11, 11.30. Uh, what would you be your on trade-off? Us, well, I'm a night owl anyway. So if they could delay this for five oh, hours. SummerSlam starts at midnight. <laughs> and I'd be fine. But, I mean, I, 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 on the other hand, though, I mean, I'm sure – being on the East Coast, you can at least have dinner with your family before you start the yeah. evening's festivities. If you're starting the show at, what, 2 o'clock, there's your whole day. That's your whole evening. On a Sunday? All of this is on demand, too. I mean, there's there's mm-hmm. ways around all of this. You, you can cater it, too, however. But a lot of hours. A lot of hours being uh, dedicated to all of this. Well, what's coming up on the site this week? Oh, great. I'm glad you asked, Wade, yeah. because... 24 hours from now, you're going to be hearing a new Keep It 2000 with Brian Mann and Nate Milton as they're chatting the July 31st 2000 episode of Monday Nitro. Now, for those of you that maybe are just like most people and assume the entire year 2000 is a blur in World Championship Wrestling, this is just a few weeks before the New Blood Rising pay-per-view, which is highlighted by a three-way match with Bill Goldberg, Scott Steiner, and Kevin Nash, where the storyline going in is that Vince Russo likes two of the guys and doesn't like one of them. And one of them is not going to go along with the finish. It is a classic, everybody. It is a terrible classic. New Blood Rising. Here in Canada, in Vancouver, back in August of 2000. So that's that's what we're building up to. Uh, This is post-Bash at the Beach, where Hogan has walked out, made his final WCW appearance. Everything's in chaos, and it's going to get worse. So that's what Brian and Nate are tackling. Was well, their choice, not ours. And then on Thursday, we've got Up Next with Braden Harrington and Davey Boy Portman, who are going to be chatting this week's episode of NXT as we are getting somewhat closer to TakeOver next mm-hmm. week, next month. Mm-hmm. Another crazy weekend. Of many crazy weekends in June, actually. Yeah. we got Dominion Weekend, which is the same day as UFC 225. And then the following weekend is TakeOver and Money in the Bank. Mm-hmm. It's all back-to-back insanity. Big week. Uh, and then Friday, what are we reviewing? This Friday, we are going back to our retro re- review series known as Rewind Away. And this week, we are taking the request of one Brad the Archivist, Copping, who He's is... going four years into the archive. Yes, yeah, requesting Ring of Honor's Global Wars 2014, a show that all of us attended at the Ted Reeve Arena in Toronto. Yes, before the WWE named their developmental program uh, NXT, it was being toured as as Ring of Honor in 2014. Yes. So that is what you will be uh, watching, even though NXT did exist at this time. Some of the names on the show, Kevin Owens, Shinsuke Nakamura, uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi, Kazuchika Okada. Jushin Liger. Jushin Liger, Tommaso Ciampa. 
Cedric Alexander, Roderick Strong. <laughs> it's like, crazy, dude. It is incredible. So I look forward to watching this show on Honor Club. With Kevin uh, Kelly and Steve Carino calling the show. Which, bizarre. we watched this show live at the Ted Reeve Arena. I had never watched the broadcast of this. So mm. lots to discuss with Steve Carino's commentary on uh, the show. Coming up later on this show, John will be talking about the Best of the Super Juniors. Yes, I've, I've caught up on all of the Best of the Super Juniors. Uh, I'll go over some of the highlight matches to check out, and we'll talk about uh, Tuesday's card from Cora Cuen Hall. And are we going to bother with uh, Table for Three, or is that a... Uh, did you watch it? I did end up watching it. We can it, briefly so chat about if it. we have some time. Why we'll don't we chat about it during the Jeff Hardy uh, match? Sure, we'll do that. Tuesday night, Worcester, Massachusetts at the DCU Center. It's the Wor- Worcester? Worcester. Yes. Worcester. You're not supposed to say Worcester. No, this is not like or a... Or not Worcester. Or Wor- Worcestershire. What's the sauce? Wor- Worcestershire. Worcestershire. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Worcester, Wor- Massachusetts. Worcester. This is the arena where Eric Bischoff challenged Vince McMahon to come fight him at Slamboree 1998. Oh. He did an AMA yesterday on Reddit. Eric did? Yeah. Oh, boy. He And he only answered it like 10 questions. Um, anyway, ask me a it, couple things. Yeah. It's not really, uh, an AMA that I would recommend people go back to listen to or, will, or read. Sorry. Will his podcast last, uh, plus or minus 83 weeks? Oh, that's a great question. Mm, I, 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 have faith in Conrad that he'll, you know, uh, I, I, I've heard mixed reviews about the show. Uh, for the I have not heard being. it. So, I mean, but I, I, I have faith in Conrad that he'll be able to turn it around. So I, I'm going to say yes. Over. Well, this show began with Ms. TV, and he's in the ring, and he tells the audience here in Massachusetts, how about those Cleveland Cavaliers, as they are in the midst of their NBA playoff series, tied at two apiece, and he announces Ms. and Mrs. will be debuting Tuesday, July 24th at 10 p.m., right after SmackDown, 205 Live, Jesus. look out. Holy, wow. The bigger question way. The answer is is no. I only have room in my life for one reality show involving professional wrestlers, and that is Total Bellas. Uh, Which did a bad rating. I know. I was very surprised by that. I I thought this was like the most attention this show has ever had with the Cena and Nikki stuff. So I was Mm -hmm. very surprised by that number. As was I. Uh, So, but, you know, I'm committed to it. I will be watching regardless of whether or not it tanks in the ratings. This could be the last season if it is that bad. Uh, probably well, not. No, probably not. They've well, they extended Total Divas for two more seasons. I don't know if they've oh. announced anything on Total Bellas though. But anyway, we will see. New Day comes out, and uh, oh, first he tried to get a Miz and Mrs. Chant going, and this crowd just like uh, like kittens to milk, just completely followed in his chant. And he this, even said, "I can get you guys to do anything." This was a hot crowd, and I guess they just they wanted to participate. New Day comes out, and. They've got new shirts. They're going wild with the colors, like red shirts for Fandango and Tyler Breeze, orange here. That, that wild compared to the, the color palette John Cena has used? Well, it's past. extended now to the whole roster. Uh, it reads Pancake Power on it. And they're out here because Miz wants them to announce which New Day member is going to be entering the Money in the Bank ladder match. And they immediately bury Miz and Mrs. with all three of them saying they won't be watching nor even uh, DVRing the series. Mm-hmm. So make sure you catch that this one. Folks. You know, this is sort of the case with like all of the Miz's side <laughs> projects. They, he's, since he's a heel, anytime he has to promote something, it, it, it always gets buried. He's like always peddling his shit. Yeah. That's bad. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I wonder what the actual effect is. Like, I don't, I don't expect the ratings to be really that much better for Miz and Mrs. compared to Total Pellows. 
You know what? E, e sends Vince McMahon a letter complaining about this, and Vince McMahon will urinate on that letter now. <laughs> it's on USA, actually. It's on me. Oh, that's right. It's yeah. on USA. Correct. Yeah, which is that that raises the profile a lot. If they mm. if they're doing a total Bellas number on USA, that will not be good. Mm. That's a really higher standard they have on USA to be doing that level of a number. So he's asking which one's going to be in the la- in the Money in the Bank ladder match. They count to three and say it's going to be me. An NSYNC reference, yeah. which was called out by The Miz. Not too dated for you, John? I was going to say, dude, do you know when that song came out? 2000? <laughs> 18 years ago. Yeah, 2000, yeah. This didn't know. get a huge reaction. I think most people know who NSYNC is, though. Uh, or do they? Is it, I, is it Justin I, I, Timberlake? No, everybody knows who NSYNC is. I think Not I, I would everybody. say everybody listening to this show. Okay, If you're somebody who's listening to this show and you don't know who NSYNC is... Uh, that's different. I'm talking about the, the 15-year-old kid that's in the arena right now. Uh, that, you know, that's a good question. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. But sure, it's a Imagine, imagine in 2000, we're watching Raw and Edge and Christian are talking about like a pop band from 1982. Right. That uh, might go over my head. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. Miz says that they have not reached their full potential. They're all holding each other back. Woods then lists off all the Miz's accolades. The Marine franchise. Arguably the greatest intercontinental champion of all time. Fuck you, Wayne Ferris. He headlined WrestleMania, but he always makes sure that he comes first. And Miz says he won money in the bank and then won the title. And Kofi has never been able to say that. He's 0-6 in money in the bank ladder matches. And maybe it's time to give one of the others a chance. And then he runs down Big E, stating that he will never be taken seriously because Big E doesn't take himself seriously. Woods does take himself seriously. He launched a YouTube empire with a million and a half subscribers and built it on his own. And he says, imagine streaming a game of Fortline. And he quickly catches himself and corrects himself. Fortnite. I don't play these goddamn video games. That was a reference I didn't get. You don't, you haven't heard of Fortnite? What the hell is that? Fortnite is a super popular game. Do you play it? I don't play it, but I'm even I'm aware of it. So I'm surprised that one hasn't reached you. Yeah, I'm guessing I'm I just uh, I fit in that 2000s era. Well, there you go. Here's something that uh, you can't just assume all these references are going to hit. So then, what do we, what are we saying here? Should references apparently references just... can't hit everybody. Yeah, maybe you should be just limited to 2,000 references. 18 years mm. is the acceptable window, mm. and nothing sooner. Uh, I actually like that Miz like legitimately screwed this up, and it was definitely a funny line. He he didn't say, though, that he doesn't play video games. He says, I don't play that video game. Oh, I see. Well, this character shouldn't be playing any video games. Yeah, I don't right. imagine Mike Mizan and sitting down with a... They all play video games. They might. All of them. Uh, he said he would get more streamers if he was champion. Is that I mean, the key? I do think that's true. You know, if he's the WWE champion in... You're a bronze medalist, and look at... You've brought us a lot of attention with that. Oh, yes, that's right. So yes. that's the key. Woods, uh, Woods, Kofi, and Big E, they all pick one of the others to be the representative. Miz is sick of all of their pancakes and cereal and popsicles and challenges any one of them. And Kofi says it'll be Big E, but not to be in Money in the Bank, to face Miz tonight. Miz turns down the match. They toss pancakes at him, screaming, shame. Miz runs to the back, into Paige, who sends him right back out against his will for a pro wrestling match, which I don't know if that's how these things should work. This is what Dana White tried to do with Yair Rodriguez, and he ended up leaving the company. Uh, And he came back for his match with Big E. But this opening segment, I think this was greatly enhanced by a very 
lively audience Absolutely. that was into all of these characters. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, if this was an audience that wasn't into this, I think this would have come across quite differently. But because this audience was so into it, this segment that was clearly designed for more of kind of a younger audience, I thought came across really well. We need to do a, a comprehensive study of, of Worcester because another big moment in Worcester history was mankind's first uh, WWF title win which featured Steve Austin coming out. Mm-hmm. And at that time, when I was like 14 years old, that was one of the loudest reactions I've ever heard in my life. Mm. And again, in Worcester, which wow. is not a city that I think gets any praise. Interesting. Maybe an underrated uh, city for this company. Mm-hmm. The Miz and Biggie, Xavier Woods is on commentary. And he explains their strategy is not to reveal which member will be in the match. So it sounds like they will not let it be known who's in this match until match time, which is... Something interesting going into the show. I'm into that. Yeah. I mean, I think it, it gives it uh, an element of surprise that you can't always have with the participants in Money in the Bank. I mean, I, I wonder how they're going to actually decide because because you are teasing somebody with a surprise, it kind of has to deliver in a bigger way than typical. Again, I wouldn't I wouldn't be stunned if Biggie won. Yeah. He'd be he'd be my pick of the three to mm. put in. Superheated crowd here. Biggie applies the abdominal stretch and is spanking Miz as the crowd chants New Day rocks. Splashes Miz on the edge of the apron. And then they did this bit where Biggie sits on a stool on the floor as Kofi and Xavier come to him like cornermen and they pour syrup into his mouth. Disgusting. Ugh. Maybe this is what Raquel Pennington needed in between the rounds. Wow. Some syrup. And he continues on. We go through the break, come back. Now Kofi is on commentary. And Phillips is touting the Miz versus Biggie in a first time ever match. Were these two not uh, on opposite ends of the mixed match challenge that you reviewed? Uh, sorry, who was that? Uh, Kofi and no Biggie and oh, Miz Biggie. with Carmella and Oscar. Were they? I don't remember. They have had singles matches in the past, oh, so okay. this is not a first time ever match. Anyway, Miz runs into a urinagi, kicks out of that. Biggie goes for that spear on the apron, but is stopped with a knee. And then the bar runs down, attacking Xavier. And Kofi leaps off the steps, off the shoulders of Cesaro to take out Sheamus. This was awesome. Yeah, I thought that looked great. Like, almost too good to He did it so seamlessly. Well, almost too good to give away in something kind of as forgettable as this. Like, that's a spot that you could say for a a bigger show. And I think he should still continue to do it for a bigger show. This looks so cool. It was great, yeah. Please go back and and watch this little gif of a a highlight if you want. Uh, Brogue kick is hit to Kofi on the floor. Biggie's distracted by this, turns around to a skull-crushing finale, and Miz pins him. 10 minutes, 58 seconds. Really hot crowd. These two are very over. Definitely. The entire act, uh, I thought, was... I mean, I felt this was a match that was kind of one of those background matches because there was so much going on in the commentary between Kofi and Xavier. Uh, But, you know, I don't really complain about that because that's the New Day's gimmick. They are loud and annoying, and they were loud and annoying on commentary. That's the gimmick. So, I I mean, if you like the New Day, I think you would have loved all everything in this quarter hour. Uh, If you don't, you probably would have hated it. You would hate to sit in front of these guys at Supercard of Honor. Uh, Yes. Yes, I would have. Yes. Uh, Miz is doing the yes uh, sign at the entrance as he departs. And then they go over the change for tonight's qualifying match. Big Cass is out because of Brian's attack on him last week. So it's Brian against Jeff Hardy in a first-time-ever match. A legit first-time-ever match. Mm. Big Cass is shown on crutches backstage as he re-injured his left knee and is not medically cleared. 
And that was his only involvement on this entire show was a non-speaking visual of him on crutches backstage. Mm-hmm. It does kind of make me wonder if they're even going to continue this Brian feud. But I mean, of course, he can always get involved next week. There is that that possibility for next week, mm-hmm. which would make sense. But what a what an annoying trip to make to Worcester. This is what you're doing tonight. There are people in the back that aren't doing anything at all. Like, there are people in the back that are doing stuff for .com, so, you know, it could be worse. The winner of the Hardy-Brian match, yeah, faces Joe next week. And then Brian is in the shadows warming up when Dasha goes to interview him. And I swear to God, this is her setup question. Is that two weeks ago when you lost to Rusev, your dreams were dashed. I don't even think that was intentional, but Ugh. it should be. She has never shown any ability to be clever that if this was intentional, uh, she greatly uh, was elevated in my book. This should be how she starts every question. Yes. Is with a pun on her own name. That would be wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to play off of Fuentes, but Dasha, mm. there's lots to be there. I mean, can you imagine if the revival came to SmackDown and she was interviewing Wilder every week? Um, I'd, I'd love to imagine it. Yes. Dash. Uh. Oh, yes. Okay. He says that this second chance means everything to him. And he says that his life has always been about second chances. Treats every match like it's the biggest. And if you kick a hornet's nest, you're going to get stung. Just ask Thomas J. And he says it's crazy that he's facing Jeff Hardy in 2018. Hardy is a legend and a revolutionary but he loves a good challenge and he's going to tap out a legend tonight. Mm-hmm. So I like the tapping aspect Definitely. to Daniel Definitely. Bryan that they've introduced. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I thought Bryan cut a good promo here. If he feels very comfortable speaking. Yes, he's a very comfortable speaker. I wouldn't have always said that. Like, I feel like in his earlier days, like, some of his delivery kind of felt very, eh, maybe maybe it felt like he was trying to get, get more used to the scripted nature of, of doing things. But, I mean, especially after having done that GM run, uh, I, I feel like he just feels like such a comfortable speaker now. There's no, there's no better confidence builder than when you don't care about maintaining your job. I think there's really something to that. I think he cares. I mean, he doesn't necessarily have to keep his job, but I think Well, he... I think that we saw that come out on Talking Smack and in that mm, whole GM role. Right. He certainly I mean, he's admitted it. Like yeah. he had no it, like he wanted to be out of his contract. Right. And that sometimes allows you to not have to walk on eggshells and it's a real great confidence builder knowing that you are not a servant to your employer. But even in a setting like this where he is now, I mean, a, a quote-unquote a servant to your employer. Like Oh, I I don't think and, he is. Well, he's executing the script. He's executing the words that are written for him. He is. But uh, going back to his delivery, I I think that confidence is something that is built up over time. Sure. Yeah, fine. But uh, I I thought he was like he comes across like a very comfortable speaker in this environment. Aiden English introduced Lana and got the uh, the Lana is the best Lana number one song going. And all I'm going to say is that Lana owes this man a debt of gratitude because this was the ultimate Hype man, hype, hype man for Lana that yes. she could ask for. Uh, Aiden is such a such an integral part of, of this entire Rusev Day act. I mean, you know, last we kind of saw of all of them, um, or at least a, a month ago when when Lana was was first reintroduced into this whole act, it seemed like they were teasing uh, some type of breakup involving uh, Lana, 
getting Rusev to turn onto Aiden. And I don't know if they're still continuing with that uh, at all, uh, but at least for now, it seems like they're just going ahead with the three of them as a single unit. And with that comes with Aiden English being Lana's manager of sorts. And uh, as a result, I think they've managed to successfully transfer the Rusev Day great fan uh, reactions directly to Lana. Is there a better idea for just a one-week television angle where Rusev is challenging Shinsuke Nakamura, Mm -hmm. and then we go backstage and Aiden's been destroyed with the Kinshasa, and Shinsuke looks at Rusev and just says, no speak English. And Aiden's been... The Kinshasa has has destroyed his vocal cords. Yeah, nice. If they wanted it right to the neck, they wanted to do that story. That'd be wonderful. That'd be the way. Lana came out and did what I would say on a normal day are the worst dance moves I've ever seen. But I watched Table for Three, where they had B-roll of Edge doing even worse dance moves in 1997. So I can't even say it was the worst I've seen today. But this was awful. Well, she's a professional dancer. Not anymore. I, I felt it was, it w- I don't think it was bad dancing to me. I thought it was just unfitting of whatever character she's introduced thus far. Like this was almost, I don't even know what type of dancing it was. It was like hip hop. Th- this was a tribute to every father at his daughter's wedding trying to do the first dance. Uh, not with the bride, but the first <laughs> like fast dance. Mm-hmm. That's what she was conjuring here. The Iconics came out with their own shirts. They're very busy in the marketing department. And they were going to do a duet to follow English. And they start warming up. Rusev Day chant. And they sing together. Singing is not the appropriate term. This was screeching with glass cutting your throat. What was worse, the singing or the dancing? Uh, The dancing was worse because I feel that was done for a positive reaction. Whereas this was designed to be ear piercing and i think there's a bit of a talent to be able to be this awful with your singing that is so painful to hear yeah 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 i mean uh i don't think we uh i i I, have you ever heard somebody at karaoke do like intentionally bomb like do something like this to try to get a negative reaction i'm sure it happens but i'm not a karaoke fan so i I don't really have a, a wide array of of performances Lana and Billy Kay in a Money in the Bank qualifying match. English pulls out a gigantic Lana Day sign. And the crowd starts to chant. I mean, mm-hmm. this was the crowd to just throw shit against the wall. And good chance it would stick. Yeah. Peyton Royce slaps him. And then Lana slaps Royce, sending her into the barricade. Billy attacks Lana on the floor. They return to the ring. And Lana lands a head kick. Yells out Machka as she hits a face buster. And Lana is going to enter a ladder match after yes. winning this match in 69 seconds. Was she not in last year's? Was she in that one? I don't know. I'll look at this up. All right, you look it up. Smackdown. Money in the bank. Yeah, anyway. Um, well, they to... said she had never won a singles match prior to this, so but that doesn't mean she couldn't have been in last year's ladder okay, match. Okay, I'll tell you right now, just because this is thrilling TV. Why don't you uh, list off all the people in the women's match last year? She was not in it. It was Carmella, Becky Lynch, Charlotte Flair, Natalia, and Tamina. Oh, okay. So I'm guessing maybe she was ringside. Anyway, so yeah, Lana gets her chance uh, competing in a Money in the Bank ladder match. Uh, I assume... Sounds scary. She will be protected uh, very much, I, I, is, is my expectation. Um, it's still it's still eight bodies in this match with weapons. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Uh 
But, I mean, looking at the way they protected her in this match, I think they will keep her role pretty minimal and maybe much like Carmella last year, just kind of have her sneak in for at least the tease. I mean, I'm not even going to entertain the idea that she might win the money in the bank because if Carmella's not ready, there's no way Lana, even in two years, will be ready for that that, that title spot. Uh, but I'll say, you know, I think the introduction of Lana here uh, with English attached to him kind of makes her a fan favorite in this match. I mean, she's a babyface now in this match, uh, thanks to Aiden English. If she's attached with Aiden, yeah. it greatly enhances her. Yes. Because I feel as a solo act that she will not have this yeah. anywhere near well, this. we've seen it, right? So thank goodness they've come to their senses, at least for now, and, and have decided not to turn her and Rusev into heels against Aiden. Andrade Cien Almas and Zelina Vega had a tape promo. He has traveled the world, but has received nothing since arriving. He's only been here a week. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he's he's not impressed. So he's just going to take it. Well, you got to compete. You got to make money somehow. And they're going to do exactly what they did last week. I like the promo from Zelina. Uh, again, I, I feel like, at least for now, it seems like a pretty direct translation from how she was in NXT. They haven't necessarily ruined anything yet with, uh, I don't know, puns. <laughs> some, any type of... Uh, I don't even know how you would make a pun off of Almas. Um, Almas famous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, maybe that's a... We'll give it a month. But, you know, it doesn't seem like the, the transition has been too hard for the two of them right now. So Andrade comes out for a match with Smash Wrestling's own Kevin Bennett. Yeah, not identified as anything. Though. No, he got no identification. Mm-hmm. The remix. Yeah, yeah, he didn't have uh, the experience with him, uh, so he was all left on his own. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Bennett lands his back elbow and fought back, and the audience got into him briefly before Almas murdered him with a spinning back elbow that just looked terrible. Or great. Well, I mean, the re- crowd reacted to it looking stiff. Yeah. Right? It was... He laid it in. Yeah. Uh, running yeah. knees into the corner twice, and then the hammerlock DDT to win this match in one minute, 54 seconds. Mm-hmm. I thought Bennett looked good. I mean, maybe I'm paying a bit more attention. He to got it. a decent reaction yeah. here for being an unknown. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're cheering for, like, the jobber, but, like, yeah. they gave him a good... Like, they gave him a, bit, got a, of, little, a bit of shine a little, here. Yeah. Yeah, so he looked good. Uh, he's tall, too, so I consider... consider you know, I can see them... Uh, thinking about pr- yeah. perhaps hiring this guy. I thought Did he hear his promo after? He got on the mic and said, next week on Rewind to Raw and Rewind to SmackDown, uh, you can win Smash Wrestling tickets <laughs> to our upcoming uh, pair of shows on Sunday, June the 3rd at the wow. Phoenix Concert Theater. Tune in next week. Breaking news. And see me. Double header from Smash Wrestling. He's on the show. Uh, he is. Is it for their tournament? Yes, the oh, Northern awesome. Tournament. Wow. Yeah. He did tweet. Kevin Bennett at the Kevin Bennett. Damn son, your boy got Molly whooped. <laughs> anyway, uh, you know, CN looked vicious here. I thought this was a good entertaining squash that made Almas look like a serious threat. I mean, you know they're serious about a guy if they're giving him squash matches. Yes. So it looks to looks to me like Almas is pegged for something bigger. Yeah, it's he's he's entering the show during this money in the bank cycle that he's mm-hmm. not figured into. So yeah. I think post money in the bank you'll see whatever his first real program will be. Sanity still hasn't debuted yet. They're not even getting vignettes any longer. Yeah, and I don't mind. Like, if there's already too much going on, not enough TV time, let them stay away and and let them feel special when there is time. Yeah, I mean, I think you'd rather wait than what they've done with the Authors of Pain, where, I mean, they've been 
They're oh on main God. event now. They weren't even on the show. They haven't been on Raw in two or three weeks. Yeah. And just no plans <laughs> at the moment. I think that Ziggler and McIntyre have assumed that spot. Right. And there's only so many, even on a three-hour show. Mm. So, yeah, uh, Sanity and Office of Pain are just existing in the ether at the moment. Carmella was backstage, cut a promo on Asuka, wearing one of her masks and jokes about there being an expiration date on her title reign. But she is twice as good as Asuka and can see right through her. And Asuka should be worried because Mella is money. Did you like the promo? It was just there. It was just there, you know. And I think, like, uh, the reason to me why Carmella even has the title right now or, you know, why she even had the money in the bank was because she, she's charismatic and she, she has above-average promos. Uh, now that she has the belt... To me, it's not enough, you know? It doesn't look like the, there's enough in the package for her to have the spotlight. And perhaps it's the it's the knowledge that I know her wrestling hasn't really gotten that much better. So even if her promos in this case were outstanding, we still have a kind of a shitty match to look forward to. The difference, you know, with, with somebody like an Alexa is that promo's good. Her wrestling is just, you know, it's it's... It it's passable, but it, I'll say it's even maybe above above passable. But Carmella is not there. Yeah, four weeks out. I just don't like this match. It's either you beat Oscar again, which to me is the last thing she needs, or she wins this title that just seems she, like she feels deflated at the moment. And it's almost like if you're gonna put the title on her, it was. I think she has to, man. Oh, like, it's like then times? why didn't you just do it at yeah. WrestleMania? Great question. Like she's yeah. she's lost so much steam. Yeah, yeah. Um, and granted, I mean, you have four weeks to really put well, that, some focus on her, but she's not even on the show at the moment. Well, that's what they need. I mean, I think in order to really make Carmella or make this match feel a bit more special, they need to come up with some great creative here. Like Carmella should do something quite dastardly to Asuka to really make people care because it's, I, you know, we're still four weeks out. So, uh, but the match, I don't, you know, I don't know. Well, coming off that that segment with. Bobby Lashley's sisters, maybe, maybe he's Vince McMahon and oh, just feels he's bulletproof. Ask I have some brothers. Let's get racist. <laughs> Renee Young welcomed out AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura for a face to face. What I loved about the graphic all night promoting this was that they had their two faces that were clearly not looking at each other promoting yeah. the face to face. Oh, right. So they're going to adjust their line, their point of view hmm. to come. Eyeball to eyeball. AJ immediately wants to know what the stipulation is. Nakamura tells him to relax and shows the video from last week. Nakamura is all in the delivery. I can't recap him properly. You can can try using your body language. No, because that'll be offensive. Uh, He cuts off AJ and tells him to be quiet. And Nakamura is not just going to beat him, but will destroy him. Take his title... And your house will now be my house. And I was waiting for Flo Rider to come over the loudspeaker. Nakamura says that uh, money in the bank, it's going to be a pillow fight. <laughs> Which I will guarantee you now is going to happen at spring break. A pillow fight? Between who? Chinsuke Nakamura. Oh. And uh, who could be the AJ Styles representative? BJ Styles. Maybe. We need more impersonators in North America. Why, do, why does Japan get all the impersonator wrestlers? They did them in the UK quite a bit, like tribute shows, where it was just like blatant ripoff of, of WWF characters. That I, I think an indie show would kind of be fun. Yeah. Like that. Uh, I'm sure it, it does happen. 
Yeah, you know, we just, just change don't around. It. Yeah. Fly enough under the radar that you don't get sued. Uh, the audience loves this idea of the pillow fight way too much. I think that, you know, they could do a whole league based on these matches. <clears throat> AJ calls him the king of soft style. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's no. hilarious. That's never been used ever before, AJ. Not in the WWE. He jokes because he has the upper hand and AJ jokes because he is afraid and he wants to put his knee to his face. And he keeps saying this over and over again. AJ tells Nakamura, you can't beat me when it counts anyway. Not like that Wrestle Kingdom crap. <laughs> and says that this isn't the Nakamura they wanted on SmackDown Live. And he goes to start a punch, uh, stop the punch from Nakamura and they fight to the floor. They go back and forth. Uh, AJ is sent into the WWE Universe. And comes back with a springboard, but is hit with a chair by Nakamura. Lays him out with a Kinshasa. And then Nakamura counts to 10 and announces it will be a last man standing match. And Corey goes, oh my God. A last man standing match. Yeah, wow. I, I like the angle, actually. It set this mm. up and establishing that AJ can't get up for the from the Kinshasa. I thought it was such an awesome way to announce a last man standing match. Like, I didn't know what Nakamura was doing here at first because I couldn't tell that he was counting. Like, he I, he just, like, to me, just spent a long time motioning his arms to the crowd and just, like, screaming. And it, did, it took me, like, until the second time to realize, oh, he's counting here. And when I realized he was counting, like, I thought... I thought was he was, counting in English? Yes, he was. I thought uh, he's a liar. Huh? He does speak English, yeah, as you saw in this segment. Yeah, well, yes, he is a liar. But, uh, you know, I I thought it was a great way to introduce the stipulation. Um, You know, Nakamura, I really enjoyed here. Like, think about the physicality uh, or the, the physical charisma somebody has to have in order to be this captivating while speaking with such a heavy accent. His words still aren't very clear, but... He overcomes it with great communication with his body language. And I, I almost feel like the thick accent really helps him as a heel. Like, kind of in the way that, like, speaking weird helps. You're build. very attentive. It's not that far from, like, the, the Jake Roberts theory of being such a low talker that you kind of lean in on the Perhaps, promo. Yeah. I, I think, I, I find myself, I'm paying a lot more attention to his promos now. I almost, but I almost feel like it kind of makes him seem a bit more mysterious and intimidating, you know, kind of like a movie villain, like, you know, like a like a Gollum or like a Bane who like speaks, mm-hmm. speak really weird. And it's all in the, like, it's very simple messaging, but pre- presented so effectively that he sounds different from everyone else. Yeah. You can honestly like watch him without sound. And I mean, you wouldn't know, you know, what's to, what match the, the type, for instance, this would be. But like, I think you would still be thoroughly entertained just watching this man act physically. So, you know, I thought AJ as well play, plays a great everyman here reacting to, to Nakamura. And I'll say at the end of this, disappointing finishes aside, there have been some pretty solid segments in, in the feud that's that's still going on between between these two. So they've managed to hook me again. AJ's had a really long run with this title now. Having right. beat Jinder in November. Well, this this Nakamura run itself has gone on for pretty long. Yeah, hasn't it? Yeah. Do you uh, do you know what today uh, marks for Okada? No. Seven hundredth day as uh, IWGP champion. Cool. Yeah. That's What's cool. so that's already the record. Um, oh yeah, he has long since beaten the record. What's uh? Yeah, I mean, what like in wrestling lore, like how how much. 
what other well we're not talking bruno level i mean where like is that the next tier up is there any does is there any are there any above 700 Oh yeah, I mean you had more than two year reigns for for some. I mean you're you're getting into very small territory mm. at this point. Like, is this un- unprecedented in the modern era for a major company? Well, consider the fact that you know the Punk reign was like four thirty four. Mm-hmm. So look at look at that in comparison. Like, I I think honestly this Okada reign, like you could keep it going, but I, I think Dominion is the time to to flip the title. People say that. For every title defense that he's had this year. Like, hey, listen, I'm not saying you couldn't. You could keep this going. It's not a stagnant people, title run. People said that starting with uh, Wrestle Kingdom with Naito. People even said it with uh, Sonata. Some people mm-hmm. said it with Sonata. Some people said it with... Uh, well, he's got the records now. That's the Tanahashi. Difference. Yeah. But, I mean... Don't you, you could keep it going. You could. Listen, I'm not... I think he's going to hold it until Wrestle Kingdom. He might even hold it for the next two, maybe, two Wrestle Kingdoms. Maybe Gato is, wants to make him this... Unbelievable multi, like it's not gotten old at yeah, all. No, you these keep... matches are still awesome. Yeah. So he's the most versatile guy. I think business is great. It's so. there's no there's no ne- necessary need to to flip this title. Gallows and a- oh, we got our Dolph Ziggler superstar fact. Okay, Just keeping us abreast of who's on the other shows. Gallows and Anderson are in the ring with the Usos and. They called them the Blewett Brothers because they blew it against the Bludgeon Brothers, and it's going to be the Good Brothers that face them at Money in the Bank. And Jay explains that this isn't Japan or Monday Night Raw. This is SmackDown Live. And the Usos reside here. It's their penitentiary. But Anderson Gallows don't see two wardens. They see two nerds. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh... I, I thought this, to me, just came out of nowhere. Like, we hadn't seen Gallows and Anderson since they were attacked by Nakamura after teaming with AJ. Oh, that's right. I and that went nowhere. Yeah. I mean, well, they've recovered from their uh, ball shots. With with Anderson taking the bullet for AJ? Oh, yeah, that too, yeah. They really teased something. and didn't... Yeah. Anyway. So the Usos, too, like, we haven't seen since their Bludger Brothers uh, matches. So no, They've fallen off the radar yes. since. So both of these teams, I would say, have been kind of stuck in obscurity. But then, you know, they didn't even get entrances for this, but... You know, I thought they got mic time though, more valuable. They, absolutely. So, you know, a nice promo exchange between the two that really hooked this crowd. I mean, this crowd didn't, I guess, need all that much, but they managed to get this crowd, and this turned into a pretty hot match. Gallows is clothesline to the floor. Anderson gets sent there too, and Jimmy dives onto both. They come back from the break, and uh, Anderson lays out Jimmy with a kick in the corner and a neck breaker. Gallows comes in, eats two super kicks from Jimmy, and then Jay comes off the top of the splash, gets a two count. Usos climb to opposite corners, and Carl stops Jay. Gallows gets control of Jimmy, and then Anderson is in. Magic killer for the win at 521. So it will be Anderson and Gallows against the Bludgeon Brothers, which will be either on one of the four hours or even the kickoff at Money in the Bank. I could see that being a kickoff I could, too. Unfortunate, though, for the club, who I think, I mean, there's no other... This could actually be a really good match if they got 11 minutes... Maybe, yeah, yeah, it's possible. But I mean, there—I don't see any result other than basically the Bludgeon Brothers eating the club. Uh, and I don't even think the club will get that much offense in against the Bludgeon Brothers. It Ooh. probably won't be all that competitive. I'm just saying, if they if they let them go out there and have a good 11 minutes on the kickoff show, the Bludgeon Brothers though are right now they're Braun Strowman, so mm-hmm. they're not going to let Gallows and Anderson 
go 50-50 with them. I mean, it's unfortunate because I actually wanted to see more of the Usos versus Gallows and Anderson. I thought these two teams had pretty good chemistry, and I think they're exactly the types of teams that each other needs. I think the Usos work better against kind of slightly larger but athletic opponents, and Gallows and Anderson, I think, play good monsters against smaller baby faces. So uh, it's too bad. I would have liked to have seen like a series almost between these two. Maybe we'll get a rap battle between the club and the Bludgeon Brothers ahead of time. Oh. Wale can come back. Those are always good. Yeah. Naomi versus Sonya Deville. Qualifying match. Mandy Rose is in Deville's corner who comes out and she does like the big shadow boxing for her entrance. And it's... Strobe lighting with this. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's two and one MMA record. (laughs) That is her gimmick. I I do feel like she needs to slowly shed it. But... um, Anyway. Like she feels like the equivalent of like Miz doing Daniel Bryan's kicks when she's out. It's like yeah, she's done fights. Yeah, that's true. No, but when you're in the it's, same, it doesn't feel to me like it's her defining characteristic in life. But when you're in the same company as Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler, yeah, well, yeah. of course, it the, ca- this this gimmick has a shelf life, and that it might already be over. But there's also something to being it, this heel that's really not at the level of a. Uh, She's not selling it as that, though. She's not a comical, you know, fake MMA fighter. She's trying to sell herself as a real fighter. I, I, I do think it's just kind of a holdover from her NXT development. I feel like she has to kind of slowly shed that. But I'll say in ring, like, she still uh, relies on her Muay Thai, you know. Her Hair MMA, up and square up. Yeah, her MMA striking a lot. And I, I think in ring, that style works well in, in a match like this. She brings something different to the table mm-hmm. than others don't. Yeah, they these two clearly went out here to try and have a good a good match with one another, um, and a bit of a different style of match as well uh, yeah. to mixed results. Well, yeah, that's the thing. It's like they they both have very unique styles. Like you have Sonia Deville who who does her her MMA striking deal, and you have Naomi who. It's still tough for me to ex- exactly explain what she does, but she I would say maybe gymnastics, like a gymnastics. Uh, stretching style like yep. she does the splits a lot so so like i give her credit because like she's very creative she does a lot of like things that you don't see anybody else do like she'll bend herself in different ways and try to come up with new moves the the problem is like she doesn't kind of slow so like it always looks maybe a little too set up and a little too put on uh but it is different and i think the crowd does react DeVille took her down with a double leg takedown. Charlotte was watching this backstage. DeVille hit a spine buster. And then each hit a leg kick. I was like, okay. And then they did like this simultaneous leg kick exchange. That, that was, just looked so goofy. That was a bit much, yeah. Naomi Look, just... Like, like on paper, I could see it looking good. Oh, oh are we going to do this? We're going to dodge each other's kicks. And then we're going to each kick each other at the same time. Yeah. It's, like, it's like a sword fight with like two swords crossing, but... Didn't really feel that way. Naomi leaped for an O'Connor roll and caught her at 422. So she's in the qualif- uh, in the uh, the ladder match, which they say she won the Battle Royal at WrestleMania. Now this, she is on a roll. And the final spot will be determined uh, on Raw Monday with the gauntlet match. The Battle Royal, I completely forgot about that. That was like, I guess that was a month and a half. That huge WrestleMania <laughs> Battle Royal that yeah. Naomi had to win because of all the ideas they had for April and May with her. Mm-hmm. This match is actually right now loaded with baby faces. The only heel in that match is Alexa. 
Do you have uh, the participants? Uh, I don't. I was no, just thinking about them, but well, we we can. Yeah. Here, why don't we we pull it up? I got it in two seconds. So okay. So right now in the match, Ember Moon, Charlotte Flair, Alexa Bliss, Becky Lynch, Natalia, Lana, Naomi, and one more to be determined on Monday. Yeah, so we will see who they put in that final spot. I mean, you do you do have to cover a bit for like your Lana's, like Alexa Bliss. You can like she's at the kind of the lower end, like skill wise. But I think in this, she'll kind of, do fine. Like her, her the the crowd will react big for her, especially if she's one of the only heels here, right? So I'm guessing on Raw you might have mm, Ruby, perhaps possible. Yeah, you know I'm guessing it'll be heel either like Sarah. Sasha and Bailey might end up getting a match on this show. It's so long. Yeah. Could could always be Bailey too, but or Sasha. But well, I, imagine I, Liv I Morgan and Lana get into this match. Imagine yeah. those two doing ladder mm. spots together, Ugh. and then they'll be on table for three uh, years years yeah. in the future. Jeff Hardy came out of his locker room and he just yells. And Renee, interviews, can you make the noise? No, I can't even <laughs> imagine it. Oh. He explains to Renee that his synapses formed when he heard about this match. And he's going to have... Correct me if I'm mispronouncing this. I'm going to have to scorch your cerebrum. That's exactly what I heard. So the idea is this guy's out of his fucking mind now. So that's just what we're going with. This guy's crazy. Somehow, like, I don't feel this was scripted for Jeff Hardy. Like, this to me felt like something... Jeff Hardy would actually say in real life. Uh, or, at least, or at least he helped. He's more cra- His character now is more crazy than Matt's. Uh, in some ways, yes. Like, I hear this guy talk in segments like these, and I have no clue why he is as popular as he is with so much <laughs> of the audience. Really? Like, uh, no, in ring, he's amazing, actually. But, God, like, anyway. I, I just, I wait for the inner monologue Jeff Hardy to show back up. Oh, can you imagine? That it was the pinnacle of, of, of the uh, imagination, I think. Samoa Joe comes out for commentary. They announce next week it'll be The Miz in the bar against The New Day, plus Joe against the winner of our final match of the night, Daniel Bryan, Jeff Hardy, in our qualifying match. I spent a lot of Monday night belaboring how much I can't stand the Raw commentary team. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Coachman occupies a seat there every Monday night. And they've got Samoa Joe, who, <laughs> dude, this guy was fucking great. Yeah, he's he's good. Yeah, he's good. He's good. He's good at everything. Listen, but I... I didn't... Uh, on the scale of WWE commentary, I'd go so far as great. Sure, yeah. But... I didn't. I didn't really like him on commentary. Here. Oh, I liked him a lot. Well, he's good at commentary, but he's far less intimidating when he's talking like a commentator. Like he's crafted such a great image of himself, only appearing in in these very short promos <clears throat> where he's talking with a deep voice, talking menacingly, intimidating the audience. But when he's on commentary, he sounds like a commentator, and to me, he's far less scary. When he's going from here to going on the microphone, cutting a promo. I, I I like kind of the the analytical nature he had here. He he calls this a great match, but it's a moot point because whoever wins has to go to sleep next week when he faces them. And Tom Phillips brings up, well, SmackDown is in Hardy's home state next week of North Carolina. Joe explains how Hardy's a momentum wrestler. He needs to be grounded so he can't get going. And early on, Brian uh, takes a 
see the drop kick and goes to the floor. They return after the break. The crowd's all chanting yes. And he delivers a running drop kick to Hardy, who crashes into the barricade with his neck folding. As they stated, his chin hit his chest. Mm, that sounded fun. Uh, Hardy comes back, whispering the wind for a two count. Brian takes out the right knee of Hardy with a drop kick, hits the yes kicks. Hardy responds with a twist of bait, and then he goes to the top for the swanton, landing on Brian's knees, and Brian recovers. Head kick, and then Hardy halfway gets out of the way of a running knee, and Brian hits this deep dragon screw, like where he torques on the knee. It wasn't like that fluid motion where a guy just lazily moves his arm and the other guy flies it was like a really like hard dragon screw where you could see this buckling the knee and then he applied on the heel hook and jeff tapped at 11 34 his new finish the yeah. heel hook i like i'm such a dork for like cool moves and like guys introducing new finishers that like are cool that i just i totally marked out when he Finish the guy again with this move. Got a major guy to tap out to it. Yeah. You've established the hold. So I love this. To me, this was Brian's best televised match since his return. Agreed. And, and I thought it addressed a lot of issues I've had with him since his return. Those being kind of, you know, Brian's matches, unfortunately, uh, feeling all too formulaic with the same few moves and the same spots. Uh, and, you know, his earlier matches to me didn't really showcase nearly any evolution or creativity that I know this man, Brian Danielson, is capable of. But I thought this was a match that felt different from all of those. This was a match that didn't just rely on his standard spot. He's building a new, more devastating finish. It was fast. It was exciting. Uh, I thought the match was great. It was really solid. And on his birthday, no less. He turned 37 on Tuesday. One on his birthday. He had motivation. I guess so. Imagine not being... He wasn't even at home with his child on his birthday. That's the life. That is the life. Um, I wonder what... I wonder Bree... I bet you Bree took him to her birdie swimming maybe on his birthday. Or maybe they went and like planted stuff without (sighs) Brian. Damn. Ouch. I hope uh, Kathy shot it on video. Yeah, with with Johnny Colace. Afterwards... Uh, Samoa Joe gets on the mic and he fails to see why Daniel's celebrating because next week he's facing him for the first time ever in WWE, yells Tom Phillips. And Renee interviewed Joe backstage and says next week Brian goes to sleep. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, great show. I really enjoyed this episode of SmackDown a lot. I did too. And I like the Nakam- And it built up for a really big match next week. Yeah, yeah. I liked the AJ Nakamura segment. I thought the main event was awesome. Really hot crowd throughout the entire show tonight. You know, Brian versus Joe, you can argue maybe a bit too soon, but who cares, dude? I've sat through enough Brian cast matches that just give me the good stuff. You know? I think they're gonna get there at ten, fifteen minutes. you may not get a great finish, but I think you'll get a lengthy match between the two. Yeah. So yeah, I, I really enjoyed SmackDown this week. Uh, from there, shall we go Let's to... Let's talk about Table for Three, or Four, actually. Yeah, they actually did change the graphic to Table for Four. They mm-hmm. broke the format for Edge and Christian they, with they the bro- Hardys. They broke the fourth seat. Oh, wow. Uh, no, yes, they did. Work, so it was, didn't work. Okay, so Table for Four. First of all, was it just me, or did you get the sense that Matt and Jeff had like just woken up when they Completely. had to come do this? Completely. I was gonna say, like, I mean, you could clearly tell who are still the active wrestlers and who are the retired ones, because Edge and Christian come into this full of energy, like they might have just done their podcast. Like Edge carried this thing. Oh, their bodies are healed. 
Like they just have these big bright smiles on their faces and and Matt and Jeff are just like clearly, you know, on whatever schedule that they're on during WrestleMania week, just exhausted. Matt especially. Yeah, they just look they looked spent in yeah. this thing. Like they clearly are buddies with these two, but they just felt like they want to be anywhere but here at this moment. It starts with Christian raising a glass of wine and saying, don't worry, Jeff, we called you an Uber. Oh, no. I, I Sorry. I, t- I, was like, I, tuned in, I tuned into this part way through. That's how that. they start this. This oh was like God. four weeks, three weeks after Jeff's DWI. <laughs> I couldn't believe they joked about well, this. I mean, they're good That's friends. not funny at all. I mean, they're good friends. So, I mean, I don't, we don't Th- know what that, good friends That's a private are. joke. That's not. Not for broadcast, sure. I don't know. Drinking I, and driving is not funny. Well, we don't know the relationship. I can't judge. I don't care what they do okay. off camera. Yeah. I think on, I, I thought it was kind of something that you could have cut out. I'll remember not to joke about that with you. Well. If you ever get a DWI. I won't. They had a lot of cool footage here from the uh, the Funkin' Dojo in 98. You saw old home video footage of these guys together and like. You know, young Takamichinoku, Darren Drozdoff, Prince Albert, Steve Blackman. Uh, these were the camps that Dory Funk Jr. ran. Uh, they also had footage of Matt and Edge doing a dark match together. And this is where we see Edge doing his running man dance that Bruce Pritchard called on him to do throughout the match. And this was just... Could you have imagined if Vince saw this and wanted to make this guy the dancing white Canadian? He would have been there six months and gone. Yeah, I could imagine. He would have been meat. He would be no way Jose. Um, they were all confused when uh, Michael Hayes, who was um, originally with the Hardys, uh, got taken away from them, and then Gangrel left Edge and Christian for the Hardys. I never understood that swap. Because th- manager swap. When they had the ladder match, they were not the Hardys at that time. They were the new brood, mm-hmm. which the new anything is bound for failure. And then they got. Paired with Terry after Gangrel. Like, the Hardys did not have a... Right, because that's the forgotten part of the ladder match. It was the finals of the Terry Invitational Tournament, Mm -hmm. the TIT. Like, in that one year, they went through, uh, 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 what is it, Uh, Michael Hayes. uh, They had Gangrel. They had Terry. And then they landed on Lita. The ladder match broke them off because Gangrel was just departed after Mm -hmm. that point. But, yeah, then even after the ladder match, they... Terry... Ended up turning on the Hardys, and then she ended up with, with Perry Saturn after all of that, and it was it was kind of like all this like side dressing they were trying to find for the Hardys mm-hmm. that they really uh, I wouldn't say they, Michael well, Hayes to me was like obviously a big mentor to yeah, them and they, was they probably had, they, the one that helped the most. But they hit a home run with when Lita was a part of it. Yes, yeah. yes, Lita, everything clicked at that point. But a lot of this is focused on No Mercy '99 and. I mean, it's it's a subject to me that it's, like, I've heard these guys talk about the ladder matches so much. There's very little new ground to cover. Mm-hmm. Other than these are all four, like, pretty personable guys that you enjoy their storytelling. But it's... I almost get the sense, like, especially... They're probably <laughs> sick of it. Especially Matt and Jeff. They're like, yeah, yeah, that thing. Yeah, yeah. I, 
I missed that. Oh, yeah, the spear off the ladder. Yeah, 19, that was 19 years ago this year. Yeah. Yep, the ladder match. Yeah. Uh, they, You know, they talked about <laughs> different stuff, like Jeff slipping on the ladder at WrestleMania 17 and Edge feeling it actually helped the match because it showed Jeff's frustration and mm-hmm. how dangerous the match was. Yeah, it was cool, especially because um, you could hear Edge talk about how he, you know, he was sitting there and he knew just how pissed off Jeff, Jeff was because Jeff had fought to do the spot earlier in the day and they trusted him with it and he screwed up and he was very pissed off but that of course was to set up the big spear off the ladder right yeah Yeah. so i i kind of um have similar thinking like like with edge that when you have a screw up in a match Mm -hmm. it's not the end of the world yeah like this is supposed to be a simulated struggle and when you have a screw up the the experienced ones will work off of that mm-hmm. and and play into it. That I never feel, you know, when people get on a match and say, oh, they blew this. Yeah. It's all to me and how they handle that. Which is why I feel like, you know, botches shouldn't necessarily affect, quote unquote, star ratings or, you know, how how perfect the match I is. I agree with you. Like, I think we look at Undertaker versus Sean, like that was a great point that made that match. So I, I really feel like ultimately you sh- people should just look at how they feel after watching a match rather than perfect execution. How many matches over. have we talked about where, you know, guys, you know, that for whatever reason, someone gets busted open hard way. Will, Will Ospreay, Marty Skrull. Shinsuke Nakamura and Bad Luck Folly. The match that, it, like, they, it was just, mm. dude got busted, Nakamura got busted open and it suddenly became this great match. It was a total mess up. It wasn't planned. Um, they explain, you know, the difficulties of working their first dome show uh, at WrestleMania at the Astrodome and how not loud it sounded in the ring and they had to go back and and watch it to see that you know the sound just traveled up it was cool to hear them talk about how the the four of them considered the tlc2 to be their best one kind of the pinnacle of of that whole um you know quote-unquote revolution that which is the wrestlemania match the wrestlemania 17 one yeah Yeah, because that's when i considered to be their best like after that one they kind of bastardized the TLC gimmick a bit, you know? TLC 3 was on SmackDown. With, Which was an incredible spectacle. Yes, it was. But not as remembered. Yeah, like, to me, I thought there was something special with these six men doing this thing. Like, this was their signature match. In a dome as well. Yeah. Like, that visual yeah, 100%. does add a lot. I think it should be, it should have been saved for, for stadiums from that point on, but... Uh, you know, after that was TLC four, which was like none of these guys. Only like I think maybe Christian Jeff Hardy, was in it. Maybe Jeff Jeff was probably in it too. With, Bubba was in it. Like they all had different partners uh, because just, that, that was the brand split. It just and, wasn't the same. So to me, that seemed like kind of the pinnacle and also kind of the the end of like this whole thing. They got into when they wanted to break up the teams and then feud with one another, and they all agreed like people didn't want to see Edge face Christian and people didn't want to see Jeff face Matt. I would agree on the Jeff and Matt thing for sure. However, mm-hmm. um, TNA were the ones who had the magic formula for that feud where right. it did work when WWE did not succeed with it on either attempt. Uh, Edge and Christian, I think that they cut that feud short when they did do the breakup in 2001 because I think that was a feud that people did want to see and they gave up on it real quick. Right. Um, I think, and it ended up taking like the both of them quite a while before finding their, their footing as single stars. Yeah, and they go over that that eventually all of them did find their single success, which is pretty remarkable when you look at tag teams breaking up and the level of success these four have had in different ways. Kind of remarkable that they they all managed to stay in the industry for as long as sure. they have. Yeah, you know, and, and yeah, have all gone into tremendous success. Yeah, and honestly, if you were to say in '99 that um, 
of those six in those TLC matches, two of them would be forced to retire by the WWE. Edge and Christian would be the last two I would pick. Considering the style. Given the risks. Yeah. Maybe Devon, um, Bubba, just the, the headshots that guy took. Yeah. Uh, but Jeff would be my number one pick. Hmm. Yeah. Um, Jeff, Bubba, and, and Matt, to me, would be ones that I would be looking at as the hmm. ones that are probably working the most risky uh, of styles. Right. Jeff, a clear number one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but dude, here he is in 2018. And it kind of just ended with Jeff Hardy winning his first title from Edge yeah, at the December 2008 Armageddon pay-per-view with this incredible castle of a set that they mm-hmm. had. Uh, and Edge just being so happy that he was the one that got to uh, lose to Jeff for the title and how happy he was and this incredible crowd reaction that Jeff got for this title win. That type of camaraderie is really cool to see but when two performers get to talk about it outside of, you know, yeah. storyline. Yeah, it uh, even got so. a, sm- a smirk out of Jeff here. He was like, <laughs> just, Jeff, Jeff had he some, needed a coffee badly. Jeff, Jeff had some energy. Matt was just like, he looked out of it. Like, probably had oh, a bunch, Matt was, bunch of stuff going on. Yeah, who knows when this happened over WrestleMania weekend, but yeah. they looked exhausted here. Yeah. But um, interesting discussion, not one of the Table for threes, I would say you absolutely have to see. It's kind of all the table for threes, though, right? For for the most part. Like, yeah. Kurt Angle and AJ Styles chewing food, <laughs> like, that was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I didn't I didn't watch the, the uh, Elias Road Dog Jeff Jarrett one. Yeah, I saw that one. It was, you know, some like, the thing is, the table for threes, they have a, a few formulas. Some of them are, like, guys who have met each other in the past and clearly have a history together so they can reminisce about old matches. And then some of them are just, like, people that are put together. And this was kind of a combination of both. It was Jeff Jarrett and Road Dog uh, and Elias. And Elias just kind of played the role of somebody who was just obviously much younger than the other two, wasn't around when they were. So he just kind of sat back and like, you know, as a fan almost, listening to these two tell stories. It was interesting because this was clearly like maybe the day after or like two days after Jeff Jarrett did his Hall of Fame speech where he just like, Road Dog inducted him, and Jarrett like ended up saying like something really nice about Road Dog, like like saying about like kind of almost treating him like he's one of his best friends. They are best friends, are they? Though? Road Dog and Jarrett, because because Road Dog starts off this table for three saying, Jeff, let me just start off. I had no idea I meant this much to you. Like it took Road Dog by complete surprise that that I think Jarrett was I thought of him as fondly as he did. So. It felt very real, and I would say that one was certainly one that Road Dog led. I thought it was interesting, especially if you're a fan of the two from their era, them mm-hmm. talking about you know how they both came up together. Road Dog talked. They about- were extremely tight in like TNA and stuff. So yeah. But anyway, I, maybe, I maybe it was. But I mean, uh, the cynical part of me also looks. Road Dog is in a, an extremely advantageous position of power now, so it would behoove one Jeff Jarrett to be. <laughs> but I mean, those two legitimately go significantly I, back with I, one I, another I, do I, do, I don't think that it's uh yeah a false road dog i think talked about how you know he was just kind of in the back like singing one day with man mountain rock and they discovered that this man could sing so they decided to use it and how they decided to use it was i guess as uh as the roadie doing this whole uh country music uh gimmick um i think they it's also- good thing john cena rapped and didn't do a country song on the bus that time stephanie heard <laughs> That might have been fun, too. Like a John Cena country, country star gimmick. Yeah. I think that could have been fun. Uh, they also... There's like a really interesting thing that I was... I'm, I'm definitely forgetting. But I think it was... 
uh, I, I don't remember all that much. Nothing about TNA, obviously. They do mention TNA by name, but like nothing in specific. And then they ended the the whole thing with a, a rendition of uh, "With My Baby Tonight." Oh, I do remember what I was gonna say. Isn't it funny that they go out, they get the impact footage for Shane McMahon, Kurt Angle, and AJ to talk about, but the one with Jeff Jarrett is there's nothing about TNA. Yeah, yeah, I know. Like in some ways, uh, obviously Jarrett. Uh, is you know the TNA is Jeff Jarrett like it's his baby, but how many classic matches can you think about that Jeff Jarrett would talk about on a show like this from his TNA? Era? Oh, I don't care about that stuff, but I mean just Jeff Jeff Jarrett in general. Yeah. I mean that was a significant Certainly, thing. Yes. That's the most defining part of his career is launching this thing, creating a lot of jobs for people. Yeah, at a time when he was excommunicated from WWE, it's. Um, it's something that I'm sure a lot of people would like to hear about. My highlight was uh, when Jeff Jarrett said <laughs> he's gushing about Road Dog's voice, and he says, "I think he's better than Eddie Vedder." Like he, or like he, he talks about how like Jeff Jarrett did a rendition of some type of uh, some oh um, four non blondes. Uh, what's going on? <laughs> and Jarrett's like, "I'm gonna get a lot of heat for this, but." I think it was better than the original. <laughs> so Road Dog is a great singer, evidently. Like one of the best, I think. Jeff is just in, of all something time. else. So anyway, they're fun. Like I think tables yeah. for threes are always fun to just like put on in the background and just like, especially like reminisce. They're like podcasts. They're the perfect length as well. Yeah. I think definitely. if they were an hour, they would drag. Uh, unless you had the right one. Like the one they did with with Bischoff and Cornette, I was like, that one could have gone longer. Mm. And they apparently did like 90 minutes and they mm. cut it down to whatever it was, 20 or so minutes, which is, I guess, the window they want these to be. But you can have fun combinations. Sometimes the the weirdest one they did was Ric Flair, Randy Orton, who are obviously going to be great together, with Bruno, who could not be more of a polar opposite from Ric Flair and Randy Orton than you could imagine. Right, yeah. It was just the strangest combo. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway. I wonder, like, who decides the combinations and, like, what type of research that person does in order to decide whether or not these people will have good I would love to know kind of what the what the producing is like are you do you pick one of the three to kind of spearhead the conversation which edge clearly was in this he was the one that was pivoting from topics like these are the topics we'd like you to cover are you going out there with just bullet points with nothing just see where the conversation goes Mm because these could get a i'm sure these the first 20 minutes of these are not all that engaging before they get going and talking (laughs) like it's very awkward to sit down with three hey so we all wrestle and we've known each other like it take it would these probably take a while to get the rhythm going. That's like where, that's where the food comes in, though. I guess yeah. I want to see them order the food. I want to see what else is on the menu. Um, because like I don't even know if Christian touched his food. I like to know like who very few eat. of them do. AJ yeah. didn't give a fuck. He was there he for ate, the meal. He ate every crumb of his meal. God, the guy's got like huge match that weekend, and he's got to be doing this. It's like I'm getting my meal in. <laughs> All right, let's chat a bit about uh, Best of the Super Juniors. It kicked off last Friday. Uh, Not going to go through all the shows. I just want to go through some highlights. The first night, um, the matches that really stood out, um, 
Of course, Will Ospreay and Taiji Ishimori headlined the first one with uh, Taiji Ishimori uh, beating Will Ospreay. And then you had Flip Gordon and ACH. That was from the first night. The second show, the standout match to me was Dragon Lee and Sho Tanaka. Tanaka, of course, teams with Yohei Kamatsu in Rapongi 3K. And Tanaka, to me, has been one of the best performers of the tournament so far. Like, they're... He's always been looked upon as, you know, this guy has enormous potential and this tournament is a really a big coming out party for him. He had uh, another great match on today's show with Chris Sabin, which uh, Sabin and Kushida had a match on the third on anyway, one of the days. And I thought the Sabin match with Tanaka was better than the one with uh, with Kushida. So on Sunday, they were in Numazu, the home of WH Park, who attended this show and uh, it featured uh, Will Ospreay and ACH with uh, Osprey winning. Really solid match, 16-51. One with the uh, the Stormbreaker that he's been using quite a lot. Then we had uh, Bushi and Taiji Ishimori with Ishimori winning with his new finish, which is the Bloody Cross, which is a vertical suplex into the double knees that he's been using and pinned Will Ospreay with. So they're really getting that finish across. Flip Gordon and Yoshinobu Kanemaru with Kanemaru. Uh, it was a, a springboard sidekick delivered by Gordon and then a springboard 450. So Gordon won that. And then it opened with Tiger Mask defeating uh, Yohei Kamatsu. And then today's show, as I mentioned, Sho and Chris Sabin had just a great match uh, with Tanaka winning with the Shock Arrow, which is a cross-armed package pile driver. Audience just really behind Sho. And I thought just the technical transitions from Chris Sabin were really great in this. So it was a very good performance from Chris Sabin. Dragon Lee, Ryusuke Taguchi featured Dragon Lee winning with the Dragon Driver at 11.15. Marty Skrull and Kushida had a, a singles match that went 19.23, and this was great. Right near the end, Kushida's working for the hoverboard lock. Skrull stops it by snapping the fingers. So Kushida then somersaults him with a DDT off the turnbuckle, and then he goes back for the hoverboard lock, but he can't apply it because his fingers are all snapped. Mm -hmm. And he just kicks the arm and then has to use the back to the future. And this goes to what we talked about with Daniel Bryan, having that secondary finish. Yep. It allows you to do stories like this where you're physically can't execute one move so you go to another and and not only that but a finish that targets specifically a body part and you're going to see that a lot more in daniel bryan's matches targeting the leg yes uh and then the uh the other tournament match from the day was uh the main event which was just this wild brawl between hiromu takahashi and el desperado with one of the best matches I've seen from Desperado. They went into the bleachers, which they've been doing that a lot in the tournament already. There was yeah, a, why are there no guardrails? Um, they're not trying to guard from anybody. Well, they trust the audience. It's okay. probably... I couldn't imagine... If someone stormed the ring at Corcune, I don't, I don't know what would happen to that person. <laughs> they might disappear. They might be deported from Japan. Could happen. Uh, so... Yeah, they did like a balcony dive with Flip Gordon uh, early in the tournament in his first match. And then in this one, they go up into the bleachers. And way you've been here. So mm -hmm. once you go, you, you kind of see like... It's not big. It's yeah. It's not a big like room. It's, um, they like, go up in the balcony and uh, Takahashi sprints down the aisle with yeah. this running drop kick where I thought he sent Desperado's like heart into like palpitations because he hit him so hard. 
Uh, they went back to the ring. Just an added aggression from Desperado that you never see. Like, this is a guy with an on-off switch. And this was a time when he was on for this match. Mm. Um, and these two have a long history together. Um, De- Desperado caught him with a uh, spine buster into a Boston Crab uh, towards the end here. Um Takahashi goes for the time bomb, and then Desperado knocked over the referee, grabbed the title. Hiromu ducked, super kicked him. The ref takes the title away, and Desperado hit a low blow, got a near fall after the Guitarra de Angel, and then hit the Pinche Loco for the win. So Desperado pins Hiromu Takahashi. This was, if you're just um, looking at the four matches together, this would have been the best show. Uh, just because yeah. all four matches, there wasn't a bad match today. Um, what would you say are the stand-up matches people, if they haven't been paying attention so far? What are your top matches of the tournament thus far, if you had to pick? Dragon Three. Lee and Shotanaka from the second day. Uh, from the first day, ACH Flip Gordon and Taiji Ishimori and Will Ospreay. Uh, Osprey against ACH from the third day. And today's show, I would say you can't go wrong with any of the, the mm. four matches. I thought they all had something different, but especially Takahashi and Desperado and Chris Sabin show Tanaka. So Tanaka's having a great tournament. Dragon Lee, Will Osprey is. Um, yeah, it's it's been a very good tournament so far, four days in, and it wraps up Monday, June the 4th. So that week, um, WH and I are actually going to be doing two shows that week. We're going to be doing a midweek show, reviewing Best of the Super Juniors and previewing Dominion, and we're also going to do a review of the Cinderella tournament from Stardom, and then WH will be back with me that weekend to review Dominion. So lots awesome. coming up that first week of June. Biggest story, perhaps, for North American audiences coming out of this show, though. The Chris Jericho promo. This aired after uh, Tetsuya Naito and Bushi uh, defeated Toa Hanare, and it was... I, I don't even remember who he was teaming Whoever. with. Anyway, Naito's team won, and then Jericho shows up on the screen with a taped promo. A selfie promo. Yes, he did a selfie promo with a turtle. Yeah, this was a selfie promo done very right. Like, no words on the screen for this one. I, unless you count uh, tra- sub-translated words as words on the screen, but sure. Everyone probably might defer to Samuel L. Jackson, but Chris Jericho has mastered the art of the delivery of fuck. Chris Jericho in Japan has quite the potty mouth. Like, this is a man who clearly is taking advantage of the language barrier and... Uh, <laughs> The lack of PG, I suppose. It's just like the guy is just like feels like he's free. Every other word was fuck. Some of the lines here. I'm going to fuck you up. I'm not tranquilo. I'm fucking crazy. You piece of shit. (laughs) And that ended by calling him fuckface. Which if he comes up with a t-shirt with fuckface on it. Pro Wrestling Tees, get on that. Fuckface shirt. Yeah. Like this was just a great promo because you just felt it was... The guy in his own words. What was it? It was great because it was Chris Jericho doing it. Like, I thought the listen, delivery was great. It was great. Yes, it was great. No, was it no too doubt. reliant on swearing? If he did this every week, then I would say so, yes. But because it's Chris Jericho doing it, I found, I found it so This guy novel. was shirtless in the woods. Oh, yeah. And he found a turtle. Yeah. One t- and compared him to Naito. Well, that's the thing. I feel like if you're going to do a selfie promo, it better be outside and it like it better be a reason that you're on your cell phone and not with a proper camera and use your surroundings around you use your environment this man happened to see a turtle and he used it in his promo (laughs) so yeah a turtle hiding in his shell is how he compared it to naito and the worst now are the wwe ones where it's obviously not 
a phone. It's just a regular camera. It's so and they have to put their arm <laughs> on the side of the camera to it, it, like imitate as if they were holding this giant Dude, camera. It is so fucked up. Oh, like, when they do that. Oh, so like, lame. It's like an HD quality camera, 4K quality camera that they're holding their arm out, <laughs> pretending that they're holding a cell phone. I, oh, it's like you guys I don't just... get it at all. You're overthinking it, guys. Way too much. Uh. Anyway, how do you think this uh, Jericho Naito uh, feud is going so far? How much Dominion sold out? So yeah. good. I, again, yeah. I I'm sure there were certain um, reasons they couldn't do it, but I really feel that this match should have been safe at the Cow Palace. I think it like this really show hot. didn't would have been really hot at the Cow Palace. I thought I think they would have sold Omega Okada and Omega. I thought would have sold out Joe Osaka Joe Hall that this and this would have greatly. Right. picked up ticket sales for the cow palace hmm. but you know there's probably reasons they can't do it there yeah um that dominion show is going to be great just great show um you know uh, you have your classic big title match with a grudge to it and then you have this which is a pure grudge what's, match what's the card so far uh let's let's pull it up it's a very deep card but also in this promo uh it was made clear the IC title is on the line mm. because chris said he's going to bring it back to uh, the United States, away from Naito. So, for Dominion, as we stand here, we've got uh, in the main event, Kazuchika Okada, Kenny Omega, two out of three falls, no time limit for the IWGP heavyweight title. Tetsuya Naito against Chris Jericho. Sonata and Evil defending the tag titles against the Young Bucks. Three-way with Hiroki Goto, Michael Elgin, and Taichi for the Never Openweight Championship. Uh, Rey Mysterio against an opponent yet to be announced. And Will Ospreay defending the junior heavyweight title, presumably uh, with the winner of the best of the super juniors, unless Ospreay were to win the tournament. Um, That looks incredible. Like, you know that the Rey and Ospreay matches, whoever the opponents are, that's going to be great. Like that's. It looks like a show that might rival Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, I think you're looking at, you know, and a lot of great stories going into this and ideas coming out of it. So I'm sure that there's a lot of people that are probably on the fence about the Cow Palace show, but I just think there's going to be a lot of a lot of great ideas coming out of this show based on how they book this show that the Cow Palace will benefit. It's just going to be late mm. that you're going to find out what the card is. Mm. So that will wrap up the show. Uh, Wei Ting and I are going to be back on Friday. Uh, Post Wrestling Cafe is where you can sign up and you will get Rewind Away as we chat Global Wars 2014 and gives you access to every bonus show we have done. Including last week's Captain America The Winter Soldier review. Which, can I just say, I have, I've been so happy at how much uh, positivity we have received for that show. We have got more feedback for that than a lot of wrestling shows we have I know. reviewed. Maybe we should just ditch this wrestling thing altogether. And just... I'm all in. Yeah, let's just do it. <laughs> Uh, so I, I think it's it's safe to assume that may, maybe in a month's time we will do Civil War sure. that we were discussing. Yep. So uh, you can look forward to that uh, for you members of the Post Wrestling Cafe. So uh, that is it. Again, next week we're going to be giving out some Smash tickets on the show. So tune in for that as well. Mm-hmm. Postwrestling.com, postwrestlingcafe.com. And do go uh, check out Keep It 2000 and Up Next, which are coming up over the next two days. If you go to the website, there's a nicely labeled button that says subscribe. And you can subscribe to our feed. And you can also subscribe to their feeds as well. So you can get their individual shows uh, that they put a lot of hard work into as well. So go check that out. And we'll speak with you on Friday.